Are you the quantum mechanics? So, yes, we are the quantum mechanics. We are the podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. Hopefully, you've listened to last week's podcast. If you haven't, you really do need to because this week's won't make much sense. We're speaking to Monet and Misha who had some extraordinary experiences in a house they lived in in London when Monet was six or seven years old. Yes, as Ben was saying, if you haven't heard last week's episode, strongly, strongly recommend you do. If you haven't heard it, go back, listen to it now because there is so much detail and it's an amazing episode. Um, For those of you who have heard it and are still here, Um, we're going to play you a little highlight of some of the things that we discussed in last week's episode. So, spoiler alert, if you've you've not heard the last one. There's a few things that stick out to me, but the first one, I was about um, seven, and I was in my bed, and I woke up in the morning, and I could see this floating head, so I could look at, I looked in the mirror and I could see that the bed was like raised off the floor. And I said to her, can you see that? And she said, yes. Then Monet went in the bathroom one day and, and she was looking in the mirror and she saw someone looking back at her and it was an old woman and came in, ran in, freaked out. And I was like, oh my God, this place is a joke. I would always say that house was haunted. Like my mum refers to it as a haunted house. So does my grandma. Like, my uncle, everybody knows that house is haunted. Like, that's what they refer to it to, to, it to. Till, still to this day, that's the haunted house that we lived in, you know. But for some reason, I couldn't get rid of these flies. And they were all circulated in one place on the floor. They were just constantly there. And we were like, what the hell? Um, come to find out later on what it was that someone had died there. So I was in my mum's bed with her and then I could see this like man at the end of her bed. Um, I guess maybe it was like a shadow. I'm not sure though. It it was something, some sort of figure at her bed. And um, she did throw um, either a book or a Bible at the figure and then it disappeared. Um, I was in her room one day on my own and I heard, literally heard two people walking up and down the stairs <laughs> and I was the only person in the house I saw this this horror movie the other day and it was exactly that <laughs> and I was like oh my god that happened to us the things that you need to look out for are in episode one her experience of floating heads shadow figures and people on the stairs and how that impacted her life In this episode, we'll talk about how her mother felt about these and verify some of those experiences. It's it's an extraordinary thing. Let's get into it. Everything was great the minute we left. Yeah. And then we then we started hearing stuff, didn't we, Mono? We started hearing stuff about people moving in and and uh, having the same experience. I did. Yeah, I heard did, that. Did Grandma tell you that? I don't. She know. told me that. Yeah, my my mum told me that because my mum got friendly with the woman that lived around the corner, who'd been there for years, living around the corner from the house, and she had told my mum that, oh, you know, it's really funny that a lot of people have moved in there and they don't stay very long. 
And my mum was like, well, I'm not surprised with all that going on. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because I did some basic research on property sites about the property because Monet gave me the address and I did a bit of looking into it. And it did seem to be a house that has been sold more than other houses in the area. So it doesn't prove anything, but it's interesting in, in the fact. Let me get on to a little bit of other research. So I, I, you rightly said there's a lot of kind of paranormal stuff that's been associated with Wandsworth Common. Yeah. A lot. I was and, shocked. And you described some of them already. So I'm not going to go into those, but... um. I widened my search around specific houses on the road that you lived on and the general area of Wandsworth Common. Yeah. And there are a number of sites on the Common, as we've said. After a bit of digging, I came across an account in a book by a famous paranormal investigator and writer from the early 1900s, someone called Elliot O'Donnell. Now, in 1909, he published a book on his investigations into the paranormal and it's called haunted houses of london so you can still go and check this book out and in that book among other stories he data he details accounts from people who were haunted while living in a house attached to wandsworth common so obviously that sparked my interest right mm. um i read i read his investigations um and i I also found another article which linked the stories that he talks about in his book to a house on the road that you lived in. Then as I read his investigation, I came across an account that literally gave me goosebumps. And I'll come on to that in a minute. Now, the book does not give the exact location of this haunted house, only that it was located off Wandsworth Common. However, I did some more research and found one old article that did link the story of this particular haunted house to the road that you lived on. So I can't guarantee what I'm about to tell you relates to the house you lived in, but what I do know is it is multiple people's stories connected to one house that is located by Wandsworth Common. Tick, that's near where you used to live. And that I found this one source that directly connects it to the road that you lived on. Now, I'm going to summarise and quote some extracts from the book by Elliot O'Donnell, published in 1909. But the events listed happened in the late 1800s. He writes, When I was living in Cornwall, I met a Mr Scarron, who told me of a house he had once rented in Wandsworth that was badly haunted. It was a large, quaint old place. Mr Scarron informed me it had a big entrance hall and a flight of low, broad oak stairs leading to a gallery that connected the east and west wings. Mr Scarron told the author, but the staircase arrested my attention the moment I entered the house. Why, I cannot exactly say, but there was something indefinably odd about it. I mentioned this to my wife and asked her if she had noticed anything peculiar only that is not quite in the centre of the hall, she replied, and then pointed to a mark on the ceiling of the gallery. Surely there was a joining there once. Yes, you may, de may depend upon it. The staircase has been moved. How very queer. It makes the hall and gallery feel quite lopsided. 
That night, we both lay awake and heard the stairs creak and groan, as if feet of innumerable people trod up and down them. Oh, gosh. Which is what made me smile when you mentioned hearing people walking up and down the stairs. Wow. The sound began at midnight and lasted incessantly until two, when it stopped abruptly. The next night, I happened to be out till rather late, and on my return, found the hall in darkness, my wife and family having gone to bed. I struck a light and walked the staircase, candle in hand. Nothing unusual occurred until I got to the sixth step, when suddenly there was a rush of icy cold wind. My candle went out, the staircase collapsed beneath me and I came to the ground with a crash. And as I did so, I heard one laugh, a low, diabolical chuckle, full of satanical glee. The next moment, my wife and eldest girl Joan came screaming out onto the landing, thinking I had had a fit or that something equally dreadful had happened. I then discovered that I was lying on the floor, exactly opposite the marks on the ceiling. The real staircase, the real staircase being some eight or nine feet to my left, so that what I had taken for steps could have only been imaginary ones. Yet how did I manage to ascend to the sixth? Oh my God. Wow. His daughter had the next experience. She was going up the stairs early one morning with a cup of tea for her mother, when to her astonishment she ran into something or someone who, although invisible, was apparently sitting on the staircase facing her. Now he goes on to explain that his daughter, while walking up the stairs, bumped into this apparition, and whatever the girl was, it had knocked a tray she was carrying out of her hand, and then, similar to him, she had heard a chilling laugh. The brother of the wife was staying in the house as well, and he also had a weird encounter, O'Donnell goes on to explain. He was running up the stairs in his usual breakneck fashion, when to his amazement he saw a girl ascending a few feet ahead of him. He stared at her, as he said, for all he was worth, she was dressed in such extraordinary fashion, in a sort of costume he had seen in pictures of Charles II's time. On arriving at the top of the stairs, she paused, as if debating whether to go on, and the brother, burning with anxiety to see her face, caught her up. In an instant, she wheeled round, revealing as she did such an incredible, hellish countenance, the poor brother was frightened out of his wits, tumbled backwards, his misfortune being consummated by a violent push that sent him whizzing head over heels into space. Wow. So this paranormal activity in the house continues with the family's daughter, Molly. He recounts a story where the staircase actually started moving and attacked her, pressing her up against a wall. There is another account from a nephew that stayed in the house was up late working in the study downstairs when a noise brought him out into the hallway. He describes what happens next. The staircase was fairly alive with ghosts. There was a regular procession of them, men and women. I could distinguish the difference in the sexes more by the touch of their dresses than by their voices, for I could not hear anything they said directly. Indeed, they only seem to speak in whispers. He goes on to recount hearing a strange sound coming from Wandsworth Common, which he describes as ghostly horse steps coming across the common towards the house. He then goes on to describe how this ghostly horse entered the house and crushed him against the stairs. Now, there are other accounts from the Scarron family, and it seems the longer they stayed there, the activity became more intense and physical. 
and Mr. Scarron obviously reached the end of his tether, which is clear from this quote. That settled it. I came to an agreement with my landlord. Needless to state, very one-sided as far as I was concerned. And within a fortnight of the last incident, I shut up house and left. Now, the author of the book I'm quoting from, Elliot O'Donnell, then gets in touch with someone else who has lived in the house. O'Donnell writes, Some months after meeting Mr Scarron, I was introduced to a lady in London who remarked that she had once lived in the haunted house in Wandsworth. I begged her to give me her experiences, and she told me the day, that day after day she had been disturbed by an old woman who used to chatter outside her bedroom door. Both she and her sister often saw the old woman in various parts of the house, generally on the staircase and flitting about the passages. O'Donnell then goes on. O'Donnell then goes into a different account, which he believed was from another occupant of the same house. Monet, it was when I read this account, I got the most incredible goosebumps. And when you hear it, I think you will understand why. Oh my God, I'm going to just, I got chills. <laughs> O'Donnell details an interview he conducted with Mrs. Newville. He writes, I again heard of the haunted house at Wandsworth Common from a Mrs. Newville who kindly described in detail the phenomenon she had witnessed in it. The most remarkable feature in the house, Mrs. Newville observed to me, was the main staircase, which was, I think, the most gloomy and suggestive staircase I have ever seen. I never passed it without a shiver and the uncanny conviction that it was alive. Absurd as you may think it, I have actually felt that staircase looking at me, and I could be certain that more than once it has moved noiselessly and stealthily forward, stepping back again the instant it perceived I was on the alert. I grew so terrified at it that I positively dreaded to be even within sight of it after dusk. I had never known what fear was until I lived in that house and watched the fading sunlight on those grim, forbidding stairs. I tell you, Mr O'Donnell, there were certain bends in that staircase and certain steps that I never loitered upon, but always flew past and was convinced they harboured some strange, hideous creature. Well, one evening in August, as I was sitting alone in the study about eight o'clock, I heard my aunt call from her bedroom, which was on the first floor. The rest of the family being out, I at once grew in a panic, for I funked the idea of the staircase, and at the same time dreading to keep my aunt waiting as her crotchety temper, if the slightest thing went wrong, was very hard to bear. Hence I was on the horns of the most unpleasant dilemma. My aunt called again, and fearing to dally any longer, I threw down my book, and hastening out of the room, made for those awful stairs. I ascended, I ascended as fast as I could, without daring even to raise my eyes, until a peculiar bluish light playing on the silver buckles of my shoes compelled me to glance up. And there, there on the landing, directly above me and some six or so feet from the ground, was a ball of cerulean phosphorus that developed quite suddenly into a ghastly head. <laughs> <laughs> A floating head. Oh, yeah, that's what that's she said. What in the mirror. Said. 
Yeah, she saw it in the mirror, though. She saw it in the mirror. But the, remember, the bathroom was at the top of the stairs, you know? I was so dumbfounded that I could only gaze at it in speechless horror. In my wildest imagination, I had never conjured up anything so truly hellish, nor could I compare it with anything save one of Gustave Doré's drawings. She goes on to describe in more detail this floating head. It was big, round and gross and crowned with a mass of matted tow-coloured hair. The face of a silky yellowish white was broader than that of any human being, the features being larger in proportion. I can't recollect the nose or ears, but the mouth had long, thin lips which were wreathed in a fiendish grin. There was no hair on the lower part of the face and only an inch or two of neck. The leering, mocking eyes were green and full of malignant expression, an expression that was positively satanic in its intensity. It looked at me exultingly, as if gloating over the terror it had inspired, and indeed I did not think I could have been more frightened had I been suddenly transported to Dante's purgatory. Whilst I was staring at it, too fascinated to remove my eyes, my aunt came out to the landing and, approaching the balustrades, called me angrily by name. The thing instantly vanished, nor did I ever see it again. Wow. Oh, there you go. And that is pretty much what Monet described. Yeah. yeah it's hardcore. Um, yeah, very that heavy. Weird. That is so... Yeah. These things are real, you know. This is the thing, and... Uh, as I said, I found out afterwards, um, by accident I found out afterwards, and I think it was a, some interview I did like maybe two years ago, and someone was asking me about when I lived there. It was a really mad way of finding out, but I found out that they used to do rituals on the common in, in the 1800s or something. Yeah, and I that's see. what, the, the whole of that area, it's really dark, <laughs> and it's gorgeous. That's the thing, it looks great, but... Don't bloody live there. Well done on the research, though. Well done. My God. I couldn't believe... You know, when I came across that... Yeah. I thought, okay, it's a haunted house. It's on the common. I mean, there are a lot of houses on the common, but not huge amounts. I believe in your streets back in the day, because I did a lot of research on the history of the street as well, which I've not gone into, but I think there were only originally five houses on the street that you were... uh, yeah, that's right. It wasn't loads and loads that they built later on. Yeah. There was also a hospital as well. And I was told yep. that, that there's something about the hospital. That's why there was a lot of stuff activity. Yeah. Because that hospital obviously had lots of dead people in it uh, who were still trapped in that building, I was told. So there's something yeah. about the hospital I was hearing as well. There was a mortuary as well, quite close by. Um, again, I've not overly done that because I think what amazed me was, okay, finding a house on Wandsworth Common, finding a suggestion, not guaranteed, but a suggestion that that house that we've just talked about was on your road, knowing that back in those times, late 1800s, there were only five houses on that road anyway. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not directly your house, it's set, like, you're, like you're saying, it says something about the area, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the that- thing is, you've got to realise that not all the houses on that road um, – are, are, are across the road from the common. There's a stretch ah. of them. You see, there's only a stretch of them that really are directly on the common. Right, which this one we've talked about was because they talk about looking out and this horse kind of coming from the common and through. Fantastic view. It's a 
Yeah, beautiful, beautiful house. I mean, you couldn't ask for it. It's absolutely, I love you guys. I'm going to have to shoot. Yeah. Um, I love you. I just realized the time. I could talk about this all frigging day. Gorgeous. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, Peter. Fabulous. Pleasure. And Ben, I love you guys. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, baby. Sorry, I've got a show tonight. Nightmare. <laughs> oh, God, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe the staircase. No, I can't. No. What I, what I wanted to ask you both, but I didn't, uh, like, there was too much conversation there. But, like, um, Monet, I'll ask you, before you moved into that house, and I know you were really, really young, but do do you recall anything similar happening before? Was this something specific to that house? No, I've I've never had anything before and I've never had anything since. That's this is my one paranormal story. I don't have anything else. And Monet, what do you think about the floating head? That was just so spooky. That's exactly what I like. That description is exactly what I saw. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that description is from someone from the late 1800s that's what blows my mind about that yeah weird i i can't believe people live there now you know i i told you that i've walked past it and i've seen i really wanted to knock on the door but i didn't because i just yeah i didn't <laughs> no one wants to hear this if they live somewhere do they so i didn't but i just remember thinking like oh, i can't believe people live there I'm amazed at that. Like I said, I, when I when I did the research, I was going, it's a house on Wandsworth Common. It has been connected to the road you're on. There weren't many houses on that road. And as, as your mum just said, that actually there weren't many at all that were facing the common, which narrows it down even further. So I, when I read the bit about the floating head, because, you know, you do come across against uh, – across – stories of haunted floating heads but they're, they're a lot rarer than your average common or garden haunting to give it a better word they are a lot rare rarer so to come across it in that article or that book describing somewhere which if not your house was pretty damn close to where you lived was quite amazing and then and then when when your mum mentioned the staircase Oh, well, there was these noises on the staircase. My, I got a chill when she said that. I, re I really wanted to say, I was like, no, save it. <laughs> I think what she didn't really talk about, though, which is the thing that stands out for me, is just like how many of us had experiences there, you know. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just my mum. It was my auntie. It was my uncle. I think she had friends stay who said the same thing. Um, my grandma. It was just so many people experiencing the same thing that's what really stands out to me because I know like I was really young I, I thought I was seven but my mum said six so six or seven but um the thing that stands out for me is just how many of us had experiences you know yeah amazing how do you feel now that you've heard all that no I feel a bit spooked <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but it's, no, it's nice to hear it makes me kind of I think I believe in it more now like I think I do 
you know, because I, I, I hear my mom talk about it, but then also hearing you with the head, that is just too much. That's so freaky. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm sort of amazed because it's one of those stories where you've got such credible witnesses and then you've got further eyewitnesses. I I suppose I'm completely consumed by why there is a floating head like what is it trying to achieve that's that's what i don't understand it's yeah. it's the motivation of the paranormal that's what i don't understand what what is amazing about that floating head as well cuz i think ben you you alluded it to it you kind of you feel like the idea of a floating head would have kind of bits of skin lying down and quite a, a gruesome sight or yes. as we were saying earlier it would be a, a kind of almost Harry Potter-esque style ghost. Yes. But what you described and what I think this other witness described from the late 1800s was something very different to that and very similar in both your descriptions. Oh, I've got chills. I do. It's so spooky to hear that because it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But the the implication is that the, the spirit has had its head removed, you know, in some kind of um, beheading or whatever. Well, it's and funny, there are, there were, I did find some backstory type stuff that connected hauntings in that house to the child, the area of Charles II and beheadings and stuff. But I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, Ben, that we're almost always a little bit sceptical of those kind of stories because yes. they almost get tagged on to the folklore of a haunted house at a later point. So, yes, yes, yes. you know, I I didn't mention it in great detail. I'm, I'm just mentioning it now for the first time because it kind of felt like I'm not sure about it, but it is it is interesting. Yeah, um, no, that, yeah. that yeah, com- completely. But it's, it's that thing of it's like i don't disbelieve any of the stories at all in fact i i'm more persuaded than ever but it's why would a spirit choose to just show its disembodied head it mm. I, it's a really peculiar i it particularly like, maybe if, it can't be asked to show the rest i can't be bothered i'm just going to do the head <laughs> or maybe the intention is to terrify well, there's that, yeah. Going to say that's a really interesting thing. Like, the intention is 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 a different thing because, as you say, you thought it was looking at you, which which implies a consciousness, and therefore, if there's a consciousness, you would you would have the uh, you would extrapolate that it had the ability to show itself in a number of different forms, and if it's just showing itself as a head. That seems to me to be a terrifying way to show itself, mm. Mm. Uh, and it, and and it's really hard to understand the motivation. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Do you what do you think? Hearing that story, what's your, what do you take? What do you believe? Like, what's your main belief? That's a really good question, and. The, the more we do the podcast, the more unsure I am about what I believe about yeah. anything. And it, it, to be honest, it's changes on a weekly basis. It's almost like 
we're living in a simulated reality. Oh no, we're not. It's, it's we're connected to some parallel universe on some level that we don't understand. We're like ants looking at the moon. We just don't understand the world. But what is weird about doing this one, especially, and hearing your descriptions and hearing what your mum talks about with the stairs and then relating it to these other accounts from hundreds of years ago, which are very similar, that, that, that it, today has left me even more confused, I think, rather than being any closer. Yeah. What about you, Ben? What do you think? Um, so I suppose I would like to have a simple explanation for everything. And I do believe that there's a unifying theory which sort of uh, links uh, all of the paranormal phenomena. So that is ghosts, ESP, remote viewing, alien, alien encounters, UFOs. And that's because... I sort of I want I like to sort of put things in particular buckets and I think as I've as I've said quite a lot my favorite explanation is that we're living in a simulation and these are either code glitches or leaks through from other games that are being played within the same environment because anything else is just so hard to comprehend like the only other the only other things so so assuming and i do believe assuming your story is true and 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 i'm not doubting it i i'm with you 100 percent. that there's there's only very very few explanations so if if you discount something that like professor chris french might say which i really don't uh attest to which is oh, it's like a hallucination or something. This is too common to be that. It's not that. So we then move on and go, well, is it the spirits of the dead who are showing themselves in this realm? And you go, well, maybe, but what does that actually mean? When you drill down to it, what does that actually mean? That means that there is some sort of parallel universe where people who are dead carry on living and they can their their app that yeah I suppose their apparition their form can leak through into this universe, but then when you go down into it deeper, if you look at it from um, almost a computer science point of view, you go well actually what is the difference between that and running computer simulations? And the the difference is the computer simulation seems a lot more reasonable, and. I just don't know. I genuinely don't know. But that would be, if I had to put money on it, that's where I would go. Yeah, simulation, okay. Mm, I'm interested in that too. I'm just not sure. You could, we can't know for sure anything, can we? <laughs> that's that's the problem really, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's why we kind of, and, and I guess that's that's the point of what we've tried to do on the podcast. It's almost like, we don't in a way it helps that we don't come down one way or the other it, you know and that's genuinely because oh, i don't know it's weird i know there's some weird stuff going on but it, it does mean people tend to want to look at it from a oh it's definitely this or it's definitely that, and that i think that's a bit dangerous because it there's there's so much 
that you know so much to understand that we maybe don't even have any chance of comprehending oh yeah no i think that's right the the deeper you get into it the more that you uncover evidence which makes absolutely no no sense whatsoever and it isn't just evidence uh, it isn't just uh, eyewitness evidence it's physical evidence so like we we haven't covered it and we've spoken about why but if you look at um, the missing 411, you know, people that go missing for absolutely no reason. You look close to home, dogs and cats that have an adverse reaction to rooms and spaces. You can come up with a sort of, you can come up with an, an explanation which kind of makes sense that would satisfy, you know, a I suppose the man on the Clapham omnibus, but they don't really make sense. I we we've never gone into it, but like one of the reasons I got involved in this is my uncle's house from years ago. His dog would never go into the bedroom, and also that bedroom for humans was cold and weird, and nobody saw anything. But at the same time why do both humans and dogs see the same thing it can't be just imagination because you know if what we're led to believe dogs don't have that imagination they respond to stimulus Mm. and so what is the stimulus that's making that dog be you know freak out about that room there's 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 so much that we don't understand and it's really really hard to bring it down to to a if you if you want one unifying theory, and I, and I really do because it's so confusing, it does come down to simulation. But I'm not convinced that that is it. But I do, I am convinced that, for example, ghosts, apparitions, and UFOs are part of something that is connected that we don't get. Uh-huh. There is there is a theory, Monet, as well, which we haven't talked about. In a lot of hauntings, people talk about something called a portal. And there's a belief that certain houses have a portal in that's almost a connection to somewhere else. Like, a you know, could be a spirit world, could be a parallel universe or whatever. And that almost like Ben's saying about the other stuff, about the coding, there's some leakage that comes through that portal that there's it's almost like a gateway between two places and often i think a lot of kind of mediums or spiritualists would say this that they come across houses where there's a portal that is a connection between those two things and and they would definitely say what was going on in your house would be connected to a portal i think yeah, just things I've I've heard, things that I've I've read of people's experiences. I think, oh, what does that mean? Like, how is that possible? Well, I have to say, I'm really pleased and relieved that you and your family have not experienced it. Touch wood, since you've left that house. Thank God, we don't. Um, never, never. I'm so happy. I've never experienced that. <laughs> and hopefully never again that was that was enough for me yeah yeah well just in in way of summary so we've had various accounts published in 1909 Mm -hmm. from multiple occupants of a house on wandsworth common 
which has been suggested to be located in the same room you lived on. Lots of paranormal activity that you've described. And in some way, those accounts from 19, published in 1909, connecting to an old woman that was regularly seen in the house. Tick, you guys had that. Activity on the stairway. Tick, you guys had that. And I don't think I'm ever going to forget reading about that floating head and you talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. (laughs) Monet, thank you so much for coming on today. We really, really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you, Ben, as well. Oh, no, thank you. It was amazing. Like, what these stories are kind of um, what we base this whole podcast on, which is um, the idea that people, people have nothing to gain by lying. And people who say there's nothing in it, we don't disregard them, but then we present the evidence back and say... How do you explain these stories? And they're so difficult to explain, particularly when they're backed up with other evidence. And when you tell them so coherently, not only are they fascinating, but I think every time I hear one of these, they change the way I think about the human experience. So thank you so much. Thanks for for having me. Thank you. And thank you, Mum, for us as well. I will do. Well, Ben, uh, that was... uh, I don't think I've ever worked on anything, I was going to say on the podcast, but on anything where I've had the hairs at the back of my neck stand up as much as researching this story, talking to Monet and then Misha and some of the details that were coming out and and the synchronicities between old stories and new. It, It was amazing. It is, and and it's it's one of those stories where, again, like we base this podcast on, which is like, why would you lie? And those two people, that not only do their two stories corroborate, but also the the research that you did and the book, it all says the same thing. But also, it's such a weird phenomenon. Like, why do you see? Floating, floating heads, heads absolutely yeah. and and the fact that you've got a mother and daughter who are backing each other up on the same thing they literally have no reason to do so we're not paying them no one else yeah. is paying them they have like they have their own lives to tell this was not an easy story to get out bless them they gave this of their own volition and they were very, very generous to do so. And thank you so much for doing it. But like, they have no material gain out of it. And people could, you know, people who are doubters or whatever or don't believe their story could be mean about it. And so it's it's one of those where you just go, my goodness, what what an extraordinary thing. And how scary to see haunted as well not a haunted but a floating head in your haunted bedroom yeah and the staircase you know yeah the old lady you know that and 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 i didn't i mean monet had told me about the floating head so when i came across that in the research it obviously made me go wow um but 
you know, to hear other bits in the research, which I'd not heard stories around come out as well, like the old woman and the staircase, which which um, came from Misha, which I, 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 I didn't know that was part of their story, but I had found in the research that was truly, truly amazing. Mm, I agree, I agree. Well, once again, I want to thank both of them, Monet and Misha, for giving us their time and, like you said, bravely sharing their story with us. And I, I, I hope you guys listening have enjoyed this as much as we have been put, putting it together and recording it. It's been amazing. Yeah, and I suppose like one of the things I'd be most intrigued to know because I've, apart from sort of stories in Victorian you know almost Victorian ghost story kind of books I haven't really heard about disembodied floating heads particularly Same. ones that seem sentient Same. yeah yeah and and so I'd love to hear your stories genuinely love to hear your stories yeah yeah or any theories anyone's got that are kind of above it was somebody who was beheaded you know is there more going on than that right right yeah. And I, I'm still intrigued about that cutoff below the the neck, how that looks, because that's still that's still something that worries me. But well, yeah. that, that uh, there's that bit, and the other thing that I thought was amazing in both Monet's story and um, the account from uh, in the book from 1909 was this thing didn't look like what you would stereotypically think a ghost would look like. I think that that's really interesting to me. You know, especially yes. when Monet was yes. a child, because you'd almost you almost have a Scooby Doo vision of what a ghost would be at that age, and to to go, no, it looked like a real head. That's that is, I find that quite intriguing. Yes, I do too. I do too. Um, and and the fact that she's had no more experiences since as well. Right. Right. I think that's that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, like we genuinely again i don't know what to make of it like i said to monet i'm still going to go with the simulation theory because it's too bizarre otherwise but um i'd love to know your thoughts like genuinely genuinely what i'm going to be thinking about tonight as i get ready for bed is the fact that a disembodied head is looking at a seven-year-old child in her bedroom, the eyes looking straight into her. What is going on? It doesn't make any sense. What is happening? Mm. And so any ideas, (laughs) most welcome. (laughs) Especially for me, because, you know, to quote the phrase, I haven't got a (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, Brilliant. Okay, well, look... um, We'll be back next week with uh, with more great paranormal stories on the quantum mechanics. So please join us then. Absolutely. Next week, probably not a pop star, but we'll find something. Yeah, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next week. Bye. See you then. Bye.
you the quantum mechanics.